Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a very unique guest today. He is a world-class professional in sales and sales management. Welcome, Glenn Matson. Thanks, Steve. I pre- greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're delighted. And before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little about Glenn. Uh, he is a seasoned veteran of the selling profession. He personally built one of the leading franchises for Sandler Training, with his office ranking consistently in the top 1% of trainers worldwide. Well, that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, obviously in all the hands of my staff and my team. We do a great job here. And um, obviously, the, the clients that we have have the fortitude and the commitment to stay with it, which has given us that recognition of being in the top, which is fantastic. appreciate it. Well, that's good. His niche is working with financial service producers and field managers who want to shorten their selling cycles, grow their revenues, and boost their team's productivity and margins for uh, good margins. And among Glenn's clients are MDRT, as well as the Court of the Table members who attribute a great deal of their success to the principal's practices and, above all, the accountability Glenn brings to their practice. He's uh, based in Long Island, New York, but he's usually in the field working with clients all over the U.S. to help them grow their business. Now, uh, in addition to that, Glenn's been married for 21 years. He has a 19-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son, two dogs and two cats. (laughs) Nice (laughs) job. Yeah, the full house right there. All right, well, uh, Glenn, tell us about your background so that people can get to know you better. You have such an interesting uh, background of the things that you've done, and as you reflect on your life, what were some of the key turning points that ended up having a big impact on your future? Well, I think if, if I look back at my background, I, don't, I, I believe it's relatively normal than everyone, and it's the same as everybody else. I grew up in a, a blue-collar household. My father was a teacher. My mom stayed at home. I had three brothers. If we ever wanted anything, we'd have to go out and find out how to make money to buy it. It wasn't something I'd just walk into my father and say, I want a new bicycle. So from a very early age, we were, you know, we hustled. We did all the normal things that I think kids my age did. We shoveled driveways and raked lawns and did whatever we needed to do. And, and oddly enough, I think some of that, those traits went with me as life went on, where I had the capacity to talk to older people. I had the capacity to negotiate. I had the capacity to understand my value when it came into doing some of that labor work. I also started understanding that if I had the wrong people with me and I did most of the work, I still had to split the profits. And 
So interestingly enough, I look back, just some of that early on stuff when I was a young child really helped. I mean, that really progressed me into being um, my own business owner early on. I, I think I worked for two small companies when I was in my teenage years. I owned my own business for, for many years, got out of doing what I was doing while I was in college. I actually sold the business, Steve, and became a client um, or, excuse me, a salesperson for someone who I was a client of, which was a Sandler training program. And through that process, I was just like everybody else, I think, that first gets started off. I was not a superstar. I grew up in a, a country town up in Connecticut, and I had to make prospecting phone calls, and I would sweat through suits and have marbles in my mouth. And, you know, it's not very <laughs> sexy to say, but I would literally vomit garbage cans when I had to do some of that stuff. I thought people were honest and sincere when they told me they wanted to think about it. So <laughs> in the beginning, I've had a, you know, a lot of the hard knocks that everyone else has in the beginning of their career. Well, that's where a lot of success comes from is uh, actually having that type of background where you have to be self-sufficient and and learn how to make it happen. And you make mistakes along the way, but you also learn from those mistakes. So that uh, that's a huge background, isn't it? Yeah. And I I think one of the interesting things you talk about learning from your mistakes is that one of the probably one of the better turning points, if you want to call it that, that I had was. I, I learned relatively quickly that, A, I did have a lot of terror, and I did have a lot of anxiety, I did have a lot of head trash, I did have all that stuff, but if you put your mind to it and you have a set of goals and you look long-term and you work towards those goals, everything, for the most part, you can overcome. So to me, one of the, 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 the tipping points, if you want to think about that, was is changing my perception of failure. I grew up in a household that if you failed, you were a loser, right? We all played sports. We're all very athletic. And my the connotation that I had was if you didn't do something, you didn't do it right, you failed at it, and therefore you were a loser. Mm-hmm. Yet, I think in the beginning when I started really wrapping my head around what Sandler taught and I became a product of my own process is that I started to realize that failure is not failure. Failure is nothing more than an outcome that you didn't want to have happen when you did your goal planning process. So failure really is a lesson. And so it teaches you what to do or what not to do next time. And once I kind of wrapped my head around that, everything started to come a little faster and a little easier. I took bigger risks. I took more challenges. I talked to different types of people because the fear of failure was becoming less and less prevalent, which made me become a better risk taker. Okay. Well, that's a great perspective. As we talk about a person becoming their best, uh, we all have setbacks. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I've done 40 years of research on what sets apart outstanding individuals, high achievers from all the rest. And one of those is exactly that. It actually, I put it as number 12. It's not that it's 12th in importance. It just is, and that is never giving up. You may have to go around. You may have to adapt. You learn from your mistakes, but these setbacks can be some of the most important things that happen to us in life, and sometimes mm, they can be pretty, so. pretty dramatic. Now, speaking of that, what's been one of the biggest setbacks or challenges you've had in life, whether it's a personal or professional life? How did you handle it, and what impact did it have on your life? Well, if I look back, I mean, I, I think that w- when you talk about never giving up and you have your 12 air, you know, guiding principles, um, in Sandler, we have the elements of success and the barriers of success. And I think that if I look back, 
could I put my finger on one or two or three things that were pretty dramatic in my career? And, you know, and I, I probably could, but, you know, the interesting thing is, is that whenever you have a setback, there literally is only two things that you can do. And one is you can sit on the curb and suck your thumb, or the other is you can reprioritize what you have, learn from it, get up and get back to work. Right. And that's grit, fortitude, never give up mentality, as you said. So I've had being an entrepreneurial, there's times when you swing for the fence and you think you hit a home run and you're rounding third base and you find out that you didn't get it or um, something happened that, that was not expected. And that could be from losing a deal to having a client that went backwards because of some other uh, situations. It could be the fact that, you know, for instance, I'm a franchisee that, that has a older brother that actually own Sandler. In the very beginning, I always figured, well, if I couldn't make it, I, my brother would hire me. Ah. Well, you know, one of the things he said is, you better figure it out because I'm not hiring you. <laughs> and so those were some interesting points in my career where an enormous amount of stress occurred. And I saw myself saying, you know what? I got myself in this. I got to get myself out of it. And when you stop looking for outside sources and stop blaming outside sources on why you're not there, it, it does make you look in the mirror. And again, it comes down to one of two things. You pick yourself up or, or you can complain about it. And I think those setbacks, if we all look at it, and my gosh, you've had an enormous amount of track record of, of all these years being in the business and working with the people you've worked with, you know that the, the biggest failures that we have historically propel us the most and our greatest successes. So if you really look at where we learn the most and how we've changed the most, they typically come from the outcome of failure, not successes. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Now, yeah. okay, now I'm going to just really build on Glenn's tremendous amount of experience uh, and, and his background. And because we're going to have a lot of people that are listening uh, all over the world that have the chance to go out and uh, make the world better in the sales profession. Uh, they have the same challenges we all had. When I was going through school, I had the opportunity to sell books door for door, door to door through the, uh, with the Southwestern Company out of Nashville, Tennessee. Oh my goodness, it was 80 hours a week. And I remember every morning when I got up, it was me against the world. I mean, you know, it was just tough. Here I had to go out and drive to my area and knock on that first door. It just wasn't easy. And But once I got going, once I knocked on the first door, uh, we were good to go. So the lessons that I learned of being successful in that job have stayed with me my entire life. So uh, let's go down a list. Let's help some of our sales people out there. Uh, what recommendations can you offer, Glenn, to help them make it to get going uh, in the first place and maintain a, a, a high energy throughout the day? be pleasant with their people. So what, what are your recommendations, first of all, for our sales people to be as successful as they can? Sure. I think for the sales people, you know, it's an old cliche of, of have passion for what you do. And, and um, I think that's underutilized, meaning being that if you're in the business just to make money, that's fine. But if you're in the business and the money is a byproduct, you typically have a heck of a lot more passion your vitality is higher, your discipline is greater, and your guts and fortitude are higher. So when we look at this, I think one of the first things I would tell people to do that are newer in sales is truly have an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. 
The second is to set goals. Now, I don't mean conservative goals. I mean to have some lofty goals, but they have to be in the right areas of their life. It has to be in spiritual health, financial, family, um, personal, business. You have to have a roundation of what those goals are, but you need to set them. And it's, it's shocking that, that in, well, Steve, you know this, that 87% of the population don't even set goals. They don't have anything written down. They just get up, they go to work, they come home, and they go to bed. So, and by the way, less than 1% of the population actually have goals, have a plan, share the plan with someone, and track it, less than 1%, which is, which is mind-blowing. So we spend more time actually outlining what we're going to do for our vacations than we do what we're going to do for our professional career. So we should have set goals. I would say the third thing is be ferocious on your ability to plan your goals and track your goals. Third thing or fourth thing I would tell you is have your goals converted to behaviors. Goals that are on plans and tracking is nothing more than numbers. Your behavior is the actions that you need to do to achieve your objectives. And we live in a world that, and and today, and you know this, is that the only thing that we can control is our behavior. We can manage everything else, but we can control our behavior. So all goals have to be converted to behaviors. Yeah, excellent. Now, I would – I'm sorry. No, excellent. Good, good. This good stuff. You know, and and I would add to that one other piece, which is is that with your goals – and one of the reasons that a lot of people don't make it in success in sales is there's a lot of there's a lot of rejection that happens in selling, and you have to get your bravery level high. And bravery is dealing with fear of rejection, dealing with your emotional involvement, which is all the stuff going on in your head. And if any of your listeners want to look it up, it's just called the Black Wolf and the White Wolf story, or the Cherokee Indian story. And it's talking about how all of us have these two different psyches in our head, a black wolf and a white wolf. And the black wolf always talks about despair and fear and anxiety and et cetera. And the wife is about the white one is about trust and commitment and fortitude and guts and courage. And the reality is, is whichever one you feed gets bigger. And when it gets bigger, it gets louder and it gets louder and it eats more. So when we look at our careers, when we look at what we have to do, it's not abnormal to have doubt. You just can't listen to it. You can't react to it. And when you do, that black wolf will get a little bigger because you fed it. And then when it gets bigger, it gets louder. And when you feed it more, it gets bigger and louder. So our negative mindsets, once we start them, feeds on that and starts to break it. So I would have your people read as much of the of business psychology books as they can. There's some great stuff out there, and obviously we can't touch upon everything in half an hour. But Really deal with the stuff in between your ears for bravery and get your heart in place, which is for your goal setting. If you get those two things together, you're going to be doing great in the beginning of selling. Okay, that is terrific advice by Glenn Matson. That's excellent. One of my favorite books. I mean, there's a bunch, as you said, but The Greatest Salesman in the World helps you develop some really powerful habits. The Magic of Thinking Big is another huge one. I know that there's mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Yep. Uh, well, I'm a little biased, right? Because I have a, a handful of them that, that we've created. Um, but the the you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar is probably one of my my most favorites, just because it has to deal with the um, ability to understand how to sell the way people buy. And unfortunately, all of us have grown up in a society that it's all about features and benefits, all about some you know cigar smoking, back slapping, polyester wearing people, which 
when you get into sales, you think you have to be that or you're going to be perceived as that, right? It, it, to me, the selling professional is probably the best, selling, best profession to have, and it's one of the hardest to be successful at because it really does take an awful lot of anxiety and stress but great skills to do that. Um, if I look back, I would say one of the most powerful books I have found in um, outside the Sandler books, and the Success Principles is another great one, is Scripts People Live By. I'm a big Eric Byrne fan, uh, and scripts people live by is an understanding, Steve, of how we think, how we operate in a very easy-to-understand English process. And the more you understand about humans, the better you're going to have the capacity to bond with them, understand them, and ask the right questions. So the scripts people live, I think, is a great book, and obviously Napoleon Hill and Steve Covey has some great ones. So there's, there's phenomenal books out there. Yeah, okay, great. Now I'm just going to hit – a. With, Time goes by so quickly on these uh, interviews. I'm sure. just going to hit a number of different questions in the sales world. So what are the top three challenges sales managers face? Top three that they face. Um, I would turn around and say accountability, hiring people, and uh, depending on what they do and how they do it is managing their time. Okay, so what can they do? What can those sales managers do to address those those challenges? Those are good challenges. Those are game game changers right there. Yeah, they are. Um, well, when you look at accountability, the uh, everyone looks at techniques. The reality is when you look at a manager, they have to have the internal behaviors of self-responsibility and initiative. Self-responsibility means they take ownership. They take responsibility. Um, and they're accountable for what they do, and they don't blame outside forces like the company or the economy. When they have self-responsibility, i.e., very simple rule, Steve, everything that happens in sales is either because you said or did something you were not supposed to, or you didn't do or you didn't say something you were supposed to. It's that black and white. So if you have a good manager that has self-responsibility and initiative, they typically can handle that. People have accountability issues because they want to cover their self-esteem by making excuses. Now, the hiring piece, there's an old standard rule that we hire who we like, which is the problem. Um, most firms that I've worked with, most companies I work with, when I go in and say, can you give me the hiring criteria? What are you looking for? What's the piece of the puzzle? So when you interview people, you know what? fits. Most don't have it. They have great interviewing questions, but they don't know what they're looking for or what they're looking for is the wrong piece. The issue with time comes down to something that we call um, no pay time activities or the trouble line. And a trouble line is literally drawing a line down the middle of a piece of paper. On the left-hand side, you write down the things that generate income called pay time activities. On the right side is everything you have to do to manage your business. And unfortunately, as a manager, we spend too much time on the right side, not on the left side. Mm-hmm. Right. Now going back a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, going back to that first one, accountability. So how can uh, managers, sales managers provide good accountability? What, what does that look like? Well, you know, we have a saying that, that, that the team is only as large or as big as the shadow of its leader. So when we look at accountability more times than not, I don't want to say always, but pretty close if you have accountability inside of a company, it's usually not anything more than the fact that the manager themselves are not held accountable to their own accord. Hmm. So now there's obviously techniques and processes for accountability, but 
the most successful individuals on getting the best out of their people are individuals that expect the best out of themselves. And when they expect the best out of themselves, whatever that may be, right? I mean, Steve, look, you and I maybe have different skills and different gifts that, that someone gave us, but the reality is, is that are we performing at our personal best? And I think that's a daily goal that most of us can do. And the people who are great managers that have a high level of accountability take ownership in that. And because of that, they expect it and they drive that in their team. So I think for your managers who may have some issues with accountability, the first place to look is yourself. Second hmm. place to look at is stop accepting excuses that your people give you. They give you excuses because you accept them. If you stop accepting them, then that will start to change. And it does take about 30 to five, uh, 45 days to change excuse making inside of a company. <laughs> I love it. Huh. And I, I guarantee that Glenn's speech, uh, preaching to the choir here. This is a guy who wrote a book called Becoming Your Best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. And when people think that way and act that way, it changes everything else. It, it changes their life, but the, their example influences everybody they work with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People watch you with two, two eyes and listen to what you say with one ear. Yep, and awesome. we forget that as leaders. Right. Yeah, I'll say, okay, well, those are three really good recommendations. I like those. So accountability, hire the right people, and then be good time managers and know what's creating good decisions or taking away from your time. Did I get that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, let's, let's mm -hmm. hit this from another side then. What are the top three challenges keeping salespeople from generating more revenues and profits in less time? The top three, I would say, are attitudinal, behavioral, and tactical. Um, attitudinal, if we take a look at what stops people from thriving and driving up that, that ladder of whatever success is, historically has a couple of different areas. I'm a firm believer on the fact that people earn what they think they're worth, and we hit comfort zones quite a bit when we start to earn what we think we're worth or we, we earn what our parents told us is an awful lot of money or what success should be. So if I looked at, at the three trigger points, attitude definitely would be one of them. Okay. The second would be the behavior. And behavior is being ferocious after your goals, having a plan. But more importantly than all that stuff, because, you know, listen, everyone listening in has done goals and plans. And I'm sure if they changed the year from 2015 to 16 and 16 to 17, it's the same goals. But the key to goal setting is action. And when we look at action, that's really bravery in terms of guts discipline and vitality. So from a bravery standpoint, guts and discipline are key. From a tactical standpoint, if we want to really take a look at how do we sell more in less time, under the tactic standpoint, I would say that, again, most people have been taught, unfortunately, to sell the way people don't buy. Hmm. And I've looked at most sales processes when I look at them and go in and talk to companies, we can typically reduce the sales process by at least 30% when you win and at least by 80% if you're going to lose. Now, what that means is good salespeople can qualify, but your best salespeople have the ability to disqualify faster. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, unfortunately, great salespeople learn, need to learn, A, how people buy, so you sell the right way, which unfortunately most don't. And, Steve, if they have the capacity to do that, you now understand what their emotional drivers are, 
of the prospect, then you have to un understand, do they have the budget, the willingness, and the ability to invest it, and then who has to make the decision before they're qualified, before, before you do any proposals. Unfortunately, what most do is they do a proposal first, then they figure out the budget, then they figure out who's the cast of characters. Right. They okay. do it backwards. Yep. Yeah, wow, that's great. That's great stuff. Well, now let's say that, uh, and by the way, uh, no doubt that it is the sales profession that changes the world. It just really all starts there until someone gets up and talks or connects with another person, whatever medium it is, that is what starts making things happen. So uh, we never underestimate the importance of a, of a salesperson. They're amazing. Oh, fantastic. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's the, it's the blood that runs through the, everything to make it run. Yep. Now, let's say that uh, uh, you're sitting knee-to-knee -knee with one of your children or a future grandchild or a really close friend, and you wanted to give them some advice that would help them be successful. From your experience in the past, what would that be? So here it is. If I was sitting, yeah, <laughs> if I was sitting down with them and, and I said, you know, this is the this is it, right? This is the answer to the magic question, I guess. <laughs> um, leaving marriage and significant others and et cetera and spirituality out of it, if I looked at them and said to them about business and being successful in business, it is really, for me, very hard to put into one thing. But... I do know that over 20 years of helping people become their best, one of the things that I've found, and, and, and I think today, Steve, they've changed the definition to now be something a little more vague, but it's grit. And grit is, um, I think the best definition I've heard or a combination of definitions is having unwielding passion, commitment, and desire for a long-term objective without losing sight of it day to day. So, if you you know if my grandchildren or, or even my own children can have a capacity to have a vision of what they want in three to five years, understand that they're going to have to pay the ferryman to get there. They're going to have to give stuff up. They're going to have to sacrifice. They're going to have to do things that maybe the average person wouldn't do, but to have a lifestyle, to have a life that the average person would want to have but aren't willing to pay to have it in terms of the ferryman. Um, that's grit to me. That is having, again, a long-term vision of what you want your life to look like and having the guts and the fortitude to pay the price, to do the hard work, to put the time in to create it because most want it, most want the outcomes, most want the, the things that the good life will give you, but very few people want to work hard for it. Uh, that is tremendous advice. I mentioned earlier uh, that I'd done 40 years of research on the things that set really outstanding high achievers apart from everybody else. Well, Glenn, you're, you're talking about them today. Great job. These, mm. these things are the ones that make the difference, the vision. And notice that Glenn also talked about, as he talked about the grit, assuming that we have this balance of spiritual things and family things and health, that we're thinking of our life in balance. Well, it's worth it, folks. It's worth putting in that grit and that effort because in three to five years from now, you're at such a different place. It brings great satisfaction. You touch a lot of lives in the process. Well, uh, all right, Glenn, how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? Uh, you're doing well, a great job, by the way. Just great job. I, I can tell you're influencing a lot of people for good. Good stuff. 
Well, you know, it, it, we strive on helping what I would consider a average person who is looking to have more than an average lifestyle, right? And we all have, Steve, as you know, and I mean, you have a bandwidth that's second to none in terms of your research and what you've done. Um, you know, but it's it's amazing to say that 60% of the population walking around America are okay being just okay. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who don't want to be just okay, we want to push ourselves, that's where we help people. Um, they can come to us via the web, which is – they can go to our website, which is at located at Matson M-A-T-T-S-O-N dot Sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R. That's our website. Obviously, you can link, you know, go into LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn also. Um, we have an awful lot of white papers on LinkedIn about success and management and entrepreneurship and obviously on, on the website. You can obviously call us at our office, and the office, the prefix is 631 because we're out here in Long Island. The n- numeric number is 726-3537, and those of you who can remember it easier if you want, you can just do 63-SANDLER, and it calls right into our office. Well, thank you, Glenn Matson, for being part of this show today. It's been fabulous. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. This has been uh, this has been fantastic. Well, you bet. The ideas that uh, Glenn has shared uh, would be invaluable for anyone in the sales world, and how to move their game up individually and and as an organization. So we certainly wish you the best as you're making a difference, Glenn. Thank you so much, Steve. You too. Okay. Greatly appreciate it, and I hope everyone that's listening learned some good stuff. Well, it was good. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best, wishing you a great day. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.